Warning, this is the Arrowhead Boys Podcast, a Kansas City Chiefs podcast made completely by two random guys whose opinions don't matter. Enjoy. Kingdom, what is up? You are now tuned in to the latest episode of the Arrowhead Boys podcast. You are here with your guys, Eric Lupartis and Tyler Fortner. Tyler, how are you doing today, my man? I'm good, man. How's it going? I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing pretty well. Uh, We're recording this episode on Wednesday, April 13th. I hope everybody is doing well. Hope Chiefs Kingdom is live, even though there's not a lot going on. Um, and to begin this episode, we're going to do a little mock draft talk. And in the latest episode that we did a week ago, we actually did a full on mock draft uh, on the mock draft simulator. But this week, we're going to actually come prepared with our own mock drafts that we did in recent days. And I'm, I'm going to go ahead and share my first three that I did that I actually liked and on these mock drafts, I made major trades. Now, obviously, these will not happen. I hope no one takes this serious. But this is just some mock drafts that, you know, are something that I kind of wanted to do. And uh, Tyler did the same thing. And I don't know how many he's going to share today. But uh, my first one, I'm going to go ahead and share my first one. And then you can go ahead and share your first one if you have that one on hand. Yeah, sounds good. All right, man. So... My first mock draft that I did, I uh, traded McCole Hardman in the 29th pick, the 30th pick, uh, the 62nd pick, the 121st pick, the 251st pick, and the 259th pick, and a 2023 second round pick to Houston for their third overall pick. And with that, I uh, I drafted uh, Derek Stingley out of uh, LSU. Um, that, that was a really good pick. And then, uh, I took Nick Benito, my edge, and he was a a late, I want to say he was a late second round pick for me. And then I took Romeo Daubs, uh, the receiver out of Nevada or yeah, Nevada. And then I took, uh, Jojo Doman, the linebacker slash corner out of Nebraska, and then I took Noah Ellis, the defensive tackle or nose tackle, I should say, out of uh, Idaho. And then I took Eric Swenson, the tackle out of Oklahoma, even though they kind of gave me a bad grade on that one. Even though I, we don't really give a shit about the PFF grades, we kind of just do it for what it what it is. Um, and then I took uh Kyron Johnson and both and both those picks, Eric Swenson and Kyron Johnson, those were uh, seventh round picks that I kept. Um, and Kyron Johnson was an edge out of uh, Kansas. So that and that concluded my first mock uh, draft. And we and I we used I don't know about what you used, but I used the PFF one for all these, and they graded my uh, mock draft an A minus. Yeah, I have a couple um, 
if you want, I can go ahead and give my first one, but it's on Pro Football Network. Go for it. Um, at 29, I, di- I didn't make any trades. Um, I don't want to get any get my own hopes up, I guess would be the best way to put it. Um, right. So at, at 29, I had the Chiefs taking Jahan Dotson, the wide receiver from Penn State. Uh, at 30, was falling from an injury, was David Ajabo, edge from Michigan. 50 is DeMarv- DeMarvin Leal, defensive end slash defensive tackle from Texas A&M. At 62, which I think is, in my opinion, probably the best corner in the draft would be Kobe Bryant from Cincinnati, the opposite side of Sauce Gardner. At 94, I have Verone McKinley, safety out of Oregon. He's a big guy, 6'3". At 103, I took my second edge, which having a Jabo early on, he may not play, so you still have to have that starting edge would be Isaiah Thomas from Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. At 121, some people may not agree, but I think taking James Cook would be a really great value pick there. He is actually great as probably the third best running back in the draft. Right. And at 130, 135, I took linebacker Jojo Doman as well. Awesome. I, I didn't do any seventh rounders because I they're seventh round guys. We have four of them, so who knows what they'll do. They're and they're honestly they're kind of hopeful picks or you know practice squad guys or just depth players at that point. Um, not saying that no talent can't come out of the seventh round, but right. Um. Okay, so I went ahead and did uh, another trade to Houston, but instead it was for their 13th overall pick. Now, this one to me was kind of a little rich, and I kind of forced the trade at the end of the day. Um, But I traded Chris Jones, the 135th pick, the 251st, the 259th, which those uh, the the 251 uh, and the 259th pick, those are both seventh rounders. and then I traded a second round uh, pick and then a uh, fourth round pick in 2023 and then a fourth round pick and then a sixth round pick in 2024. And like I said, I got the 13th overall pick from Houston. And with that, I drafted Devontae Wyatt, the defensive tackle out of Georgia, um, Trey Works, the receiver out of Arkansas, David Jabo, edge out of uh, Michigan, Nick Benito, Edge out of Oklahoma. <clears throat> Brian Asamoa, um, out of oh, linebacker out of Oklahoma. Greg Dolchich, um, tight end out of uh, it's blank in my head. I didn't write it down. Let me look. Uh, oh, UCLA. Yeah, tight end out of UCLA, and then Zion McCullen. Uh, McCollum, the cornerback out of Sam Houston State, and then again Noah Ellis, defensive or nose tackle out of Idaho. And again, they graded me an A minus on that one. Now, <clears throat> obviously, that one that's a little rich of a trade. I don't that would never happen again. I was just kind of throwing picks out there for that type of trade, and I kind of did. Well, I traded Chris Jones again in a following mock, but this time is for less, in my opinion, less picks. But you can go ahead and get your second one out there. Yeah, my second one is is the only other one I have, and it's off pro football focus as well. 
Um, I did do a trade on this one. I traded the 29th overall, 30th, and 103rd overall picks to the Giants for their 7th overall and 112th overall pick. They graded me a D-plus on the trade. I don't really understand that. Like I said, we don't understand the grades that they put on here. Um, At 7, I happen to take corner from Cincinnati, uh, Sauce Gardner. At 50, I took wide receiver Christian Watson. At 62, I'm not going to attempt his last name because I'll butcher it, but it's an edge rusher from South Carolina, Kingsley. Oh, yeah. I don't, want I don't know how to say it either. Let me, <laughs> let me, let me look it up and try to uh, pronounce it. Yeah. Um, in the third round, the following pick, I took linebacker Jojo Doman. The fourth round, 112th overall, which was I got from the Giants, is edge rusher Sam Williams, who I think has a really good upside if he has, if he keeps off the field issues out of his way in the NFL. At 121, I took Neil Farrell Jr., a defensive tackle out of LSU. And then at 135, I took Leon O'Neill Jr., who is a safety out of Texas A&M. Dope. Dope. Um, and how – I think how they say it, I think they say Kingsley Enigbare. Okay. Enigbare. Yeah. I, I mean, that, that's – it's kind I, of hard I, to say. You have to really sit there and, like, say it, like, out loud, like, softly or slowly, I should say. All right. So, my uh, third one that I did and my final one that I'm going to share, um, and like I said, this was, again, another trade to Houston for their 13th overall pick. And, again, I traded Chris Jones, but instead of um, instead of uh, all those picks I did the last time, I just did a round two pick in 2023 and a round two pick in 2024. And, obviously, Chris Jones. Now, I don't know how I got that trade off, but to me, I think that was honestly a good trade just because, you know, we all know who Chris Jones is at this point, and you don't know what we're going to get any more out of him in the future. Um, And who's to say you can't ever work your way to get another second-round pick if you, you know, traded away another player or – did whatever, but you're, you would still have your first round picks. You would still have your third round picks that are still valuable. So I think this overall was a good trade in my opinion. And they graded me an A on it. So there you uh, go. anyways, uh, I got again, Devonte Wyatt with that. He would be the replacement essentially for Chris Jones, uh, Jermaine Johnson, the edge out of uh, Florida state. Then I drafted Jahan Dotson receiver out of Penn state, Nick Benito edge out of Oklahoma, Again, Brian Asamoa, a linebacker out of Oklahoma out of Oklahoma. Greg Dolchich, again, the tight end out of um UCLA. And then I drafted a um tackle. Matt, I don't even know how to say his last name either. It's like Matt Walosko or something. Yeah. Um, and he he was from uh, uh I lost it. Uh, nope, that's not what I wanted. Uh, okay, he's from North Dakota. Yeah, that's right. I knew it was one of the Dakota schools, but I just didn't want to say the wrong one. Um, and then I drafted uh, Matthew Butler, the uh, 
defensive tackle out of uh, uh, Illinois. And again, they graded me an A off that draft. Not that it means anything. We don't know what these grades mean on PFF, but I think really they grade you based off where you pick the player. Because it it gives you the rank where they should be picked. And then if you pick them around where you actually have that number picked, then then they'll actually give you a good grade accordingly. But even if you pick like, if a guy's ranked 103 and you pick him at 101 or even like 99, then it gives you like a C on it. I think it's the value of the player as well. Right. Um, That could be it. Because it PFF, if you go to their stats tab, it does give an overall grade. True, true, it does. So I think that probably plays into it as well. All right. So, um, yeah, that was uh, the mock drafts that we did, our own personal ones. Uh, then we, uh, Chiefs Kingdom, we want to talk about the top players per position in the draft. And honestly, I didn't do – I forgot to do receivers, honestly. I did uh, – just straight defense just because I just want this defense to be or this draft to be a defensive heavy picks. And I'm going to go ahead and stop, start with my top five players in the edge position. And number one is Aiden Hutchison. And then I, I went on Walker at number two. Uh, I personally think he's better than Kayvon uh, Thibodeau, but I have Thibodeau at three. Then I have a Jabo at four and, I I have Boye Mafe and Nick Benito kind of like both at the same time, even though like I don't know why they have like Nick Benito where you can kind of draft him like kind of later in the second round. But I don't know. I personally think that, you know, depending on what type of edge you're looking for, you know, they're both kind of up there in my opinion. Um, but did you have any top edge players that you wrote down? Yeah, my uh, top five is similar with the first two. I have Aiden Hutchinson and Trayvon Walker. I actually have David Ajabo at third, Kayvon Thibodeau at four, and Jermaine Johnson at five. Ah, yeah, I should have put Jermaine Johnson. The only reason I give Jermaine Johnson the nod over Mafe is because Jermaine Johnson won ACC defensive player. True, true. And that, yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely a good player. Yeah, no. You're you're right. I would I would definitely throw him in the in the mix as well. Um, and then next, I went to DTs. I only have four down, but um, I went Jordan Davis, Devontae Wyatt, Travis Jones, and then Perion Winfrey. Um, I know there's uh, other players like uh, there was another guy that was kind of graded a little higher than him. Yeah, Logan Hall out of Houston. But I personally like Perrion Winfrey. I think he has the uh, better pass rush, at least from from what I've seen on his tape. I mean, no, don't get me wrong. Logan Hall has a lot of TFLs, but he's more uh, – he's, he's undersized as he, far yeah, as he, he's Yeah, he's a little undersized. If he put on a little – like maybe 10 more pounds – he, so he's listed at the uh, I think it was the Combiners Pro Day. He he's six foot six, which is great for that position, but he's only two hundred and sixty pounds. Right. Um, I think he's going to be more of like a Demarvin Leal who can play end and defensive right. tackle. Right. Exactly. 
Um, but I also didn't really watch a lot of any, a lot of Houston football either. So I, I mean, I know a little bit more big 12 football than I do anything. So, um, and then I know there's the Fidadrian Mathis, but I, I didn't have him down at all, but he's out of, uh, Alabama. Did you have any DTs down? Yeah, I've got to, again, same with the first two. I have Jordan Davis at one, Devontae Wyatt at two. Uh, I actually had Winfrey at three, Mathis at four, and Travis Jones at five. Okay, okay, cool, cool. And the only reason, again, I I leave Logan Hall off there is because even though he's 6'6", he's only coming in at 260. And in the NFL, a 260-pound defensive tackle is going to get pushed around. Right, right. You're, You're absolutely right. Um, and then next I went to linebackers and I went uh, between Devin, uh, Devin Lloyd at number one, Leo Chanel at two, uh, Asamoah at three, Chad Muma, uh, the linebacker of Wyoming. Oh, and obviously Devin Lloyd, he's out of uh, uh, Utah. Leo, Leo Chanel is out of Wisconsin, Asamoah, Oklahoma. And then, yeah, Chad Muma, Wyoming. And then, I put a slash between Harris and Doman uh, just because obviously Doman, he can play. He's a little bit versatile player. But I still want to put him up there in the linebacker spot. But Harris is the linebacker out of um, Alabama and Doman's the linebacker slash cornerback out of Nebraska. And that was my uh, top five in the linebacking core. Okay. Um, one guy that I had on there that you actually left off is my number two guy behind Devin Lloyd, who's Nicobe Dean from Georgia. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, right. After that, I have Brian Osmoa from Oklahoma, um, Leo Chanel from Wisconsin, and then I have Christian Harris from Alabama. Um, as far as speaking from a Chiefs need, I would probably have Brian Osmoa too, just because he's a really great uh, pass coverage linebacker. Right, right. But not every team is going to use him that way, so I have him at three. Right, and Muma is a really good pass coverage linebacker as well. Um, they say he's kind of got like a uh, Luke Keekley. They remind he kind of reminds everybody of Luke Keekley. Mm-hmm. Um, and then okay, let's go into uh, corners. I got uh, Stingley out of LSU, Gardner, Sauce Gardner, and Connect uh, or uh, Cincinnati. Yeah, Cincinnati. I was about to say Connecticut, Cincinnati. Uh, Kyrie Elam out of uh, Florida, Roger McCrary out of uh, Auburn, and then Kobe Bryant, the other corner opposite of Sauce Gardner out of Cincinnati. Okay, so I leave, even though I am an LSU fan, I do leave. I leave Stingley off of this list just because he has not played hardly at all since 2019. Okay, yeah. See, I didn't really pay attention to much of the LSU ball, and I was just going off of, like, kind of his, you know, his pro stats, right. uh, stuff like, like his, his, you know what I'm talking about, his bio and what he did in his pro day. His freshman year, that 2019 LSU championship season, um, he was a freshman, he was a starter, mm-hmm. and if he was allowed to come out, into the draft that year as a freshman, there was actually an argument between him and Joe Burrow for the first overall pick. Um, The only reason he is still relevant these past two years of being hurt is because of what he did his freshman year, and he has every measurable you could want for a corner. Um, But at one, I have Sauce Gardner. 
two, I have Trent McDuffie, uh, three, Elam, four, Daxton Hill, and at five, I have Kyler Gordon out of Washington. And so I I put – see, I put Daxton Hill with – I don't know why, but I kind of paired him with the safeties just because he's like that – yeah, he did, he's a nickel. He's a nickel, where he, nickel robber, where he's kind of that hybrid player. But yeah, he 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 could have either went in my top uh, top three corner list or top. He's in my top three safety list. Um, but I have uh, Kyle Hamilton at number one, uh, Jacoby Brisker at two, uh, uh, Daxon Hill at number three, and then Kirby Joseph at number four, and then Nick Cross at number five. Okay. Um, obviously, you, Kyle Hamilton, he's the first ranked first prospect in the entire draft this year, and that's something coming from a safety. Um, so I have Hamilton at one. I also have Brisker at two. I have Nick Cross at three, Kirby Joseph at four, and I have Roan McKinley at five. Yes, I've taken I, I've taken Verone McKinley a lot in mock drafts, and they've graded me bad on every time I've picked him, and I do not know why. It's because his rank. If you're going off those pro football focus ranks, he's ranked at like the hundred. I can tell you right here, it's the hundred seventy six overall prospect in the draft. Right. Okay. Which is crazy because Pro Football Focus has him graded at a 65 because he plays multiple different positions like Daxton Hill. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You say, yeah, he's at a hundred and actually, well, I got him on the, are you on PFF right now? Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. 176. But I do, I do leave off uh, Lewis Cien out of Georgia. Um, yeah, I did too. Just because I'm not – I just – I don't like he, – he's a guy who I feel like is more worried about getting the big hit than making play. Right, exactly. And, I mean, you you like guys like that, but you, you we want more of the cerebral and being, being physical like that, especially when you get into the pro league, it, it doesn't really do you benefit. Especially, I mean, just being like as as like you know as physical as he is in college, right? And I remember um, not this past college football season, but the year prior, he took off Kyle Pitts' head on a post route, and I I mean that's great and all, but he got ejected from the game. Exactly. I mean, and and now, bud, you're you're going to the pros where now you're going to lose money. So yeah, kind of kind of don't want to do that. Um, I didn't really get into the offensive side, uh, but you can go ahead and share your top people. And I'm going to kind of go off PFF real quick here on the, um, the wide receivers. So unless you want to, you can go ahead and go into your offensive, um, top player. Yeah. 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 I'll, uh, I'm assuming we're probably not going to do quarterbacks because we're talking about chiefs needs, but yeah. Uh, to kick it off at wide receiver, um, my number one wide receiver in this draft is Jamison Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, I have it followed by uh, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jahan Dotson, and Drake London. I would say mimic that. Uh, I would say mimic that, but switch Dotson and London. You think Dotson's a five? 
Yes. Just because I just because of where what London could be used for. I mean, he's literally that traditional X that anybody can have. And not saying that Dotson can't be anything in, in anyone's offense, but he, he would be perfect in our offense. But I feel like Drake London could be the the number one guy in every offense. There were reports out today that scouts and NFL, uh, you know, inside insiders in the NFL, their only knock on Drake London is he the only thing keeping him from being that next pure X next to Amari Cooper in the NFL is he can't create separation, and y- y- your shelf life in the NFL as far as everything having to be above the rim is really short. Right. Uh, a lot of guys in the NFL are looking at him as a very tall slot receiver because he is six foot five and, you know, 220 pounds, but they're looking at him as a, a, a great slot receiver as, as far as those deep post routes and versus vertical routes. Well, I mean, it's like kind of similar to Mike Evans. Mike Evans played a lot of out, but he played a lot of slot too. Yeah. Um, but I think it's I, I just think that I just think that he would essentially whoever drafted him would make him the number one. Whereas Dotson, I I don't know if Dotson would go to a team like I don't know. Let's just say he came to us. Do you think he would be the number one over Juju? Um. Yeah, I think he would just because he is more versatile as a wide receiver. He can take the top off. Like I said, my pro comparison for him is Stephon Diggs, a guy who can take the top off, run any route in the route tree. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's not short by any means. I think he's actually closer to six one, six foot. Uh, I think it's a, I think it lit, hold on, let me look at him real quick. The guy is uh, he's five eleven, one seventy eight. Okay, so at his pro day, they measured him at six six foot and a half. Um, the uh, but on but on the other hand, um, a guy like Alave, who is built similar, I think could go to any team and be a number one. I think it's just going to depend on where people go. I don't see a guy like Jahan Dotson going to Buffalo and being the number one. No, no. Obviously, they have Diggs, but I don't see him going there and and being, you know, a thousand yard receiver because of who's there with him. Even though they're they're similar players. Now, let's just say if he was drafted. Now, if the Rams had a – I don't know if they have a second-round pick, but uh, if they did, or even their first-round pick, one of their first – they don't even have a first-round pick, but if they did, if they drafted Jahan Dotson, would he be the number one on their team? Well, they have Cooper Cup. I I think he would still be their number one, in my opinion. Yeah, Cooper Cup's – solidified himself as the number one even though he does play more slot than anything um a team that i could see dotson going to and being day one starter would obviously be green bay they have the 22nd 28th pick um you could see him going he's been climbing up some boards and analyst mocks he would definitely be the number one receiver in new england he would be the number one in new orleans as well with michael thomas probably not going to play right right and Or, or being traded Right. I, he'd be the number one in – He'd be the number one in Atlanta. Um, even though they had the eighth pick, they're not going to take him, but he would be the number one there with Calvin Ridley being out. Right. So um, – but, you know, an honorable mention guy would be Traylon Burks um, from Arkansas. He His pro comparison to me is Calvin Johnson, the size, speed. Yeah. 
everything like that. I know Green Bay actually really, really likes him. They've brought him in on a visit last week. So, right. you know, if, guy, if, guys always fall and guys always rise up. You, know, you never know what's going to happen draft day. Right. And honestly, I know that me and you both said this. We don't want – if they had got someone like Traylon Burks – the fear is we do not want another Jonathan Baldwin. Exactly. Yeah, they they look the same. You know, obviously he came out of pit and it was a different time then, but they look very similar. Yeah, as far as built and how they run, how they move, and how elusive and how they can high point everything, and just how big they were, or how big he is, and how big you know Baldwin was. Right. Do you uh do you want to do running backs? Uh, there is a possibility. <sighs> They take one in one of those later rounds. Um, yeah. Let me go look. Let me go look at the running backs because I I clicked on the mock draft simulator and I just let it run through the first round just so it can get guys off the board. Mm-hmm. So now I'm looking at the running backs now to kind of get my top out there. Yeah, there there's a a toss up between Kenneth Walker and Brees Hall. Uh, Brees Hall out of Iowa State. Yeah, Damian uh, Pierce out of uh, Florida and Tyler Ali. I don't know how you say that at BYU. Yeah, um, my top five though, I would I would probably go Walker over Hall just because Walker led all of college football in yards after contact, meaning he's either going through you mm-hmm. or or you're going with him. Um, Hall two out of Iowa State. I have James Cook at three, Brian Robinson from Alabama at four. And then I do have uh, Pierce from Florida at five. So my top would be Walker, Hall, and then I would go Cook, and then Pierce, and mm, I would say it's probably between Kyron Williams and – I'm going to go ahead and give the Missouri guy love, even though I'm not really a Missouri fan at all, Tyler Beatty. Yeah. Um, The one guy that I love for the Chiefs and love my favorite running back in college football in this draft, uh, he wasn't in my top five, Isaiah Spiller out of Texas A&M. I was just about to say that, (laughs) just to be be funny. He is my favorite running back just because – you know, last year, like his 2021 stats, are at 178 carries for 1,016 yards and six touchdowns. It's a 5.7 average. And he also had 25 catches through the air. Um, he's a back-to-back 1,000-yard running back. Would have been three, but he came 50 yards short his freshman year. So the spiller that we had on the team that we kept like signing and cutting and signing and cutting and signing. oh um was that Isaiah Spiller too or CJ Spiller? That that was CJ Spiller. Okay, CJ Spiller. He was a cleansing I, guy back in the day. I was literally about to say, like, is Isaiah Spiller like his son? No, <laughs> I hope not, at least. No, Isaiah Spiller, though, I would like him in the Chiefs offense. Um he's a big guy too. He uh he's a one cut back. He's not going to make a lot of uh, – he's not going to rip off 75-yard runs in the pros, but he's a good one cut back who's going to get those extra yards. Right. Um, and by God, they better never take a running back in the first round ever again. I don't give a <laughs> shit who you are. You just don't do that. 
He was good yeah, at LSU. Huh? He was good at LSU. Uh, well, yes, but that dude just – he needs to learn how to not be on IR. Yeah, that too, that's true. <laughs> Shit, the best ability is availability. Fuck, I wish we wish Sammy Watkins understood that. Do you want to do uh, tackles? Yeah, I was just about to ask you that. Um, obviously – for me, the first one I I believe is uh, Iwan Iguanu. I think he's better than Evan Neal. Yeah, uh, um, I got Iguanu, Evan Neal, um, and then uh, tr- uh, Trevor Penning, and then I'll go Bernard Remian. Re- I don't even know how you say that, and then and probably. Kellen Deached out of Arizona State for or yeah for me. Did you say Charles Cross at all? I say Charles Cross. Uh, yeah, he's, he's yeah the, I did. I did. I said him out of Mississippi State. Yeah, those are my top five too. You could really toss. Um, I like pinning a lot. He's. I mean, I know he showed out a lot at his pro day and his stock rose a lot, but I think he's really physical. I. I watched him go up against uh, Isaiah Thomas from OU, mm-hmm. and he dominated him. He threw him around like a rag doll. He also, you know, uh, Pinning's got a 97.3 overall grade at PFF, which I think is the highest in the entire draft. Yeah. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, but really, I mean, that's offensively, that's kind of, I, I would assume maybe the Chiefs may take a guard. But other than that, I think it's probably going to be a defensive heavy draft. If they keep one of those seventh round picks, which I assume they will, I mean, you, those, like I said, those are more depth. I'm, I assume they would take a guard at that point. Yeah, I, I could see them taking, uh, if they were to take running back, I think it would be seventh round. A guard and a tackle both be in the seventh round, and they, they may pick up another wide receiver. Right. No, I no, I completely agree. Because I, I like Velas Jones. Um, out of uh, Tennessee as a return guy. He's really good. He's really dynamic. He, I think he's a better version of D'Anthony Thomas. Yep. Um, do you want to get into tight ends at all, just for shits and giggles, even though, like, they – I mean, they drafted Noah Gray last year. and So they have I mean, four on the roster as of right now. Well, I don't see them drafting one. You don't see them drafting one? No, because they have Kelsey, obviously, Blake Bell's back, um, Noah Gray, and then Forsen. Forsen's going to be coming off IR, hopefully. Um, I know he did. I know they did bring him back on another one-year deal. So I, I, I don't see them wasting a pick on a tight end with already having those four guys that they – No, not this year. Um, with Kelsey getting older, I, I just don't know how much hope they have in Noah Gray. I just I don't know what his upside is at all. I know last off, well last off season his rookie year they kept saying that like Nate Taylor kept saying that at training camp he was like this white stallion that was like the the next coming of some of something and you know, he didn't do shit this year. So um, I don't know how much faith they have in that man. I think if I think if he doesn't really do any pop off this next coming year, or at least by year three of his rookie deal, 
they're going to look into drafting a tight end. I mean, you kind of have to at that point, unless Fortson ends up proving them to be who we think he could be. So Fortson's getting older, though. Um, yeah, I, th- I think he's going to be pushing twenty-seven. Yeah, this no, year. Exactly. Um, I could see Noah Gray being that guy who is that surprise preseason cut. Um, they wasted a was it a sixth rounder on him? I believe, yeah, I believe fifth or sixth. So I think I believe anything after the fourth round, really, you don't get a cap hit for cutting them. Um, no. If he doesn't come out and produce, if he's not showing anything, if if he's not, you know, if he's dropping everything like he was last preseason, you know, they they usually give you the benefit of the doubt uh, first preseason. But if he comes out again this preseason and is dropping everything, is you know, just not running very good routes, not picking up blocks. And yeah, I could see him being a preseason cut. And if you notice how he runs, he's so slow out of his breaks. Like, yeah, he is. Um, but, but then again, he came out of Duke. Yeah. Uh, like we, I we think his that. entire college career <laughs> out of four years, he spent at Duke. He only had like 400 yards receiving. So. Yeah. No, I mean, we've both said that. Like if you're, if you play tight end at Duke, you're, I mean, you had to have gotten that scholarship just because you live locally, and yeah. that's just what it was. Family but no one goes there. to Duke to play football, unless, like I said, unless I said what it was. But, again, like we just agreed that they wasted a sixth-round pick on him. And I, I do agree with that, too, that if he does not show out this year – they may keep him just because he's a cheap rookie contract and why not, you know, keep him as depth. But at the same time, it's like we, we're going to need someone to be somewhat productive. If Blake Bell's, if Blake Bell is getting receiving more receiving snaps over you, then I don't know what to tell you, bud. Yeah. And I'm looking right now. It looks like only one tight end put up over a thousand yards last year in college. Um, right. Yeah, and he's graded at 64 on PFF. He's yeah. the highest graded tight end. He's six four. He's six four, two forty six. Senior, um, one thousand. What's that? No, I was gonna say his combine was really good. Yeah, I don't. Obviously, no one's gonna take him in the first round. Um, but you know, if the Chiefs get their guys and he falls or something, I would not be opposed to that. Just because. Kelsey gets so many targets more than just about any starting wide wide receiver in the NFL that if you wanted to have run a dual tight ends on the field, then, you know, if he's there, cool. If not, you know, whatever, we don't need him. Right. Um, I don't know if you know this guy, uh, but I, I watch a little bit of Ohio state Buckeye football, Jeremy Rucker tight end. He's, He's fast. I mean, I don't know if you've ever watched any of his tape, but he's elusive. He has hands, and he is fast. Now, yeah. I uh, saw he was graded pretty low, though, for some reason. Yeah, I mean, he's rank, his rank is 120th. Um, a, a team that he would really benefit on, in my personal opinion, would be like a team like, you know, like the Eagles or uh, – I mean, shit, I mean, it'd be nice if we had him, but uh, I would say, like, the Eagles or a team like the Broncos. Yeah, Um, and again, we are talking about PFF. I mean, 
yesterday PFF released their top five tight ends going into this year, and Kelsey was at four. So, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. They, you know, PFF. They are, they're the same. They're, they're the same website that has Pat Mahomes ranked at thirteenth. So exactly, exactly. And how many times y'all want to keep ranking that man incorrectly? And how many times he's going to keep proving y'all that he is the best fucking quarterback in the league? Yeah, like you know, grading on passes that could have been intercepted. Well, well, they didn't. They so. weren't. They were touchdowns. So. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I I guess that has to kind of do it for our uh, mock or mock drafts uh, talk and uh, top draft players and top draft prospects. So, uh, is there anything else that you want to share on this topic? No, like I said, um, I I think. I'm not quite sure if I want the Chiefs to trade 29 and 30 to move up. Um, I like the idea of having two first-round picks. That doesn't happen very often. Um, if Usually, if you have two, you hit on one of them. So I, I think if you see them hang on to those four seventh-rounders, I think that's going to be the time you see them kind of drafting some offensive linemen, maybe a running back. They may just go and get a whole bunch of defensive backs. Um you know, it just kind of depends, but it will be interesting to see what they do here in the next week because, like I said, draft week, draft day is what, 15 days from now? Yep. Yep. I was just looking at a, a video earlier today and it was uh, the video of Pat Mahomes getting drafted. And, and, you know, I know you've told me plenty of times that you were going, you wanted Watson. I think everybody in Chiefs Kingdom wanted Watson uh, at a time. It's safe to say I was very pissed off sitting in that Applebee's. <laughs> <laughs> and I I personally liked Mahomes. I had I seen some of his game some of his games when he was in college at Tech. Um I had no idea that the Chiefs would draft him, but he was definitely a quarterback that I wanted them to draft if, you know, he was an option. Now Watson was definitely the well known player coming off the the what two three uh, national championship appearances and yeah. had like what two wins out of that. So I th- I think his college record was thirty three and one. Right, yeah, it, it, something re- crazy ridiculous. And that is the biggest reason on why I wanted him is because he was, he was a, a proven winner, winner. Yeah, like, a consistently winner. winner of championships. Exactly, so. exactly. Now, obviously, looking at look at hindsight, that's that's hindsight. Um, we we got the right guy. So yeah, I do remember. Um, you know, I don't know if you watched. I watched Baker Mayfield's full hour and a half interview he did, um, talking about the Browns, and they talked about his entire uh college experience: Texas Tech, Oklahoma, everything. He actually uh he said the most. Baker said the most annoying thing is when people come come up to him and say that. When he came back from injury, the reason he didn't go back to Texas Tech was because, you know, Pat Mahomes ran him off. He said it's not true. Um, Pat was there on a scholarship. Baker wasn't. And uh, it ended up working out for the best of them because they had one of the best games in college history against each other two years later. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know. He, he also hosted Pat on his on his visit there to Texas Tech. Right. And at the end of the day, I mean – both of them won. They're both in the yeah. NFL. They're both making millions of dollars. 
So I, I at the end of the day, I, I, I understand the narrative. And I think a lot of Chiefs fans would say that who don't really like Baker, or who just don't like the Browns. Yeah, uh, I personally, you know, I personally like Baker Mayfield. I think he's, you know, I think he's a good quarterback. I yeah, think I, he's a, I think he's a, you know, the at least the best quarterback that Cleveland has had in years. So, well, it's their best quarterback since they were put back into the league back in what ninety eight. Yeah, something nine because they're originally, you know, the Baltimore Ravens are the original Cleveland Browns. So, right. Um. um so. Uh, I uh, is there any more draft stuff uh, before we switch over to the next topic? No, I, I think that covers it, man. All right. All right. So when we get back, we're going to go ahead and finish up with some other news around the league and on the team. Damn, son, where'd you find this? All right, Chiefs Kingdom, uh, to finish up the episode of the podcast with some other news. And while I got it pulled up, I got Twitter pulled up because I like to get on Twitter for a lot of my NFL news just because it just it gets leaked on there just like that. Um, good old Derek Carr got a big old extension from the Raiders. Uh, let me go ahead and pull up those details. What was it like? A uh, hundred and twenty something. Is uh, I think I believe it was one twenty one. Yeah, for three one, years. One twenty one for three years, and if you do break it down into three years, if you are taking the annually, now we don't know the annual because they don't, they didn't say the annual income, which usually means it's probably in a lot of it's incentive based. Ian uh, Rappaport said today on Pat McAfee's show he broke down a little bit of the insides of that contract and said, it's actually a really cheap deal for the Raiders because almost all of it's incentive based. Yeah. Cause they know who he is. They know that he's not an elite quarterback. They know that he has to, like he, he has to earn it. And and he, now he has no excuses. He, he got his butt buddy uh, Adams out of uh, green Bay. So, and he has Waller, he has Renfro. Um, well, there was a Rappaport did, and I did not know this. I don't know if you did. Rappaport said today that before the Patriots actually drafted Mac Jones, they tried to make a trade for Derek Carr. Um, so, you know, obviously Las Vegas turned that deal down, but Derek Carr could easily be a Patriot right now. But they were saying the connection between Josh McDaniels finally taking a job after eight years of being the OC there. Now he he does have his guy. He has his finally has his chance yeah. with Derek Carr. Yeah. Um, well, let's just put it this way. Derek Carr would have to get acclimated and playing in cold weather cold weather consistently, since that seemed to be his issue, uh, especially coming to Arrowhead. Um and no, I think Derek Carr is a decent quarterback. I mean, he's, he's a he's, he's a B minus quarterback. He's a B exactly. He's like a in my opinion, he's a tier three. He's a tier three quarterback. Yeah. yeah. And want a playoff game. I think yeah. he has a good record overall. Right, right. And I'm not trying to really dog the guy like that. I mean, it's it's cool that he got to get another contract with a team that drafted him instead of them moving on because they could have easily moved on from him. And, and it's surprising that John Gruden never moved on from him in the first place. Right. Exactly. Well, 
I mean, was I don't know if you heard this, but didn't uh, didn't they like have like a house next? Don't they have like houses next to each other? Yeah. So uh, Gruden built the house right next door to Derek Carr's. Uh, the year he was fired last year, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, off season, let go in the middle so, of Monday Night Football. About this time last year is when John Gruden built the house and got finished. So he didn't get to live in it very long. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that definitely sucks. Somebody bought it though. Um, man, I can't remember who it was. Uh, hey, it was, well, it was another NFL guy, a, a coach, uh, um, the guy in Detroit, the kneecap biter guy. Oh, oh, yes, Dan Campbell. Yes, yes, I believe he bought that house. Uh, well, that'd be good for him. I mean, he probably has like a close. He might have a close relationship with Gruden, so. And it must have been like a personal thing, in my opinion. Um, what else has been going on? Oh, <laughs> I don't know if you saw the video, but there was a video of Aaron. Did you? I don't know if you sent this to me. Either I saw this online or you sent this to me. It was a video of Aaron Rodgers playing in this, uh, like I guess, like this high school seven on seven thing, and he threw Is that the mad throw. Yeah, like he threw a uh, he got he threw an interception to the kid, and the kid tried to hand him the ball, and then he got like mad and like tried to pelt the kid with the ball and stuff. <laughs> I didn't watch the video, but I have seen it blow up on Facebook today. And I mean, and at the end of the day, he could have been playing back. He probably was laughing when he did it and stuff, like trying to like tag him a little bit. But he really, I mean, from what it looked like, it looked like he was really trying to throw it at him. Like he got a little salty that the kid intercepted the ball. Well, he is a what now? Uh, is he a back-to-back MVP or three straight MVPs? Uh, uh back-to-back. It's just two two in a row. I mean, he has three MVPs, but uh, yeah, the high school kid just picks off back-to-back NFL MVP. So oh, I, I wouldn't have gave that ball back. No, I wouldn't have either. Now nah, it was kind of like. Uh, Tyree Kill last year when he was doing his little off-season shenanigans and wanting to race everybody. Um, yeah, he's like he's literally that kid that was in like elementary school and said like I'll race you like every time. That that's literally him. He was probably that kid. Um, well, there was a kid last year, uh, one of the high schools. Tyree Kill went out there and ran some routes with one of their corners. Well, he actually I, intercepted him. That's what I was trying. That's what I was actually going to bring up. That that was kind of a similar situation. The kid, like, basically, you no, know, uh, caught the ball over him. I think Tyree Kill was like covering him or something like that, and the kid basically like high pointed him. What's well, a highlight of that kid's career too? Right, right. And, I mean, and, those were, and that whole high school went. That whole crowd went nuts. And Tyree yeah. Kill, he was like shocked, but he was like. He was happy at the same time because he knows, like, at the end of the day, like, they're kids and it's all for fun. Well, those kids, that's what they live for at that time, too. Right, right. The fact that they're watching Tyreek Hill right in front of them and then someone, one of their friends, one of their teammates, let alone that kid, caught a ball on him. He literally made that kid's day. Like, he literally made that kid have, like, one of the greatest moments in his life that he got to actually do that, you know, essentially on Tyreek Hill. Now, if if Aaron Rodgers really got, you know, mad about that, then, bro, come on. It's really? heel Aaron Rodgers this year, so who knows? Yeah, I mean, I guess he's kind of been the 
the highlight of the off season because he wants everything to be about him. If, if it, if it goes away from him, he'll, he'll create something just to make it back, uh, back to him. Um, what else has been going on around chief's kingdom? Oh, so the president, Mark Donovan had a meeting last week and he, you know, brought up the whole situation with uh, a potential move I don't know what your thoughts were on that, but I definitely think media blew it out of proportion. I think a lot of people in Chiefs Kingdom started freaking out, um, saying like, oh, they better not move to the Kansas side, blah, 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 blah. And then all you got all these Kansas people saying like, yes, yes, come on over, come on over. We've been waiting for this for a long time. Get out of that dump, Missouri, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay. They got nine years left before they even get before they can even attempt anything. <laughs> I mean, by the time that this even could even be a possibility, Mahomes' contract will be done or his for this big ten year extension that he got. I don't know what your opinion was on it, but I I, I definitely think that Chiefs Kingdom blew it out of proportion. Mark Donovan just said that they just were kind of entertaining things, just seeing what was out there, you know. But then he went and reiterated, we have nine years left here. There's nothing we can do. But with Kaufman moving to downtown, we have to take everything in consideration. Right. The other thing, too, is, you know, you're a bad businessman if you don't keep all your options open at all times. Exactly. Um, The other thing, too, is – there's been talks about after this was said, there's been some big talks about doing a big renovation there. Um, There's been rumors of a dome because it'd be good for Kansas city if they could host a super bowl, but we don't have any attractions here, especially in February, you know, it's cold as hell. No one wants to be here. No. The other thing though, too, is Clark hunt came out and said, you know, they asked him about it. Clark shot it down immediately. Um, I think that's the thing people are forgetting, and I think Mark Donovan forgets too, is that this is Clark Hunt's family's team, his father's team. Nothing happens without Clark approval. Well, and Lamar, I, I don't, and I don't Lamar's think... Lamar's wife is still alive, so definitely nothing is happening. I, well, I don't that. think I don't think Mark Donovan's going to go out there and say anything that you know Clark Hunt and him haven't talked about. Oh, I'm sure it's talked about. But like I said, you know, it's his team. It's his father's team. Yeah, it's his team. And at the end of the day, what he says goes. But let's just put it this way. Kansas throws, like, you know, $300 million, $300, $500 million, I mean, or more. I'm sure it's in the billions, uh, by all means. Uh, Those X amount of dollars, the you know, Clark Hunt, and it tops Missouri – then they're going to take the Kansas side because at the end of the day, it's all about the money. Uh, But there is a a thing in the NFL um, and Chicago did it. Chicago wants a new stadium. Mm -hmm. Um, They, they want to get rid of, you know, that whatever they have out there. I don't even remember what it's called. Um, They want to move out of their stadium. They want a new one. But they want this. But the organization wants the city to pay for all of it. They want tax dollars to pay for all of it. Well, you know, Los Angeles Stadium was a couple billion dollars. It was actually almost a billion over budget. In Kansas City, you know, we don't have that kind of market. So I think that if anything ever happens, you're going to see a retractable roof on it, kind of like what Houston has, or you know, you're just going to see um, a stadium that, that looks completely different now. 
because they've already been changing it for the past 10 years. Right, right. And I and I also think with uh Kaufman moving going to downtown, at least supposedly, um they could just knock that stadium down and either build like a I don't want to say a party town, but like essentially like a district. Uh, you know, like a West not like, you know, a something power like West Four Power and Light. Um yeah. You know, have something like that where there is, there is attractions or like you know there's strip malls and stuff, or you know, or you can knock down where Arrowhead is at currently and then rebuild on that side and then open up the parking lot more. I mean, there's there's a lot that they can do, and and it's going to come down to kind of how uh, the Royals what what move they decide to make. I mean, is it for sure that they're going to downtown? Is that kind of that's kind of been confirmed, right? They've gotten plans drawn up. They've gotten models made, um, how it's all set up. I think the biggest problem that the Royals will have going down there is obviously traffic. Traffic is horrible enough down there, especially. It's horrible. If if you're trying to file in 35,000 people into a a stadium with no parking. However, Clark Hunt did say if they move, obviously Kaufman's going to be, you know, detonated. Clark Hunt did say he would like to have the extra parking Right, right. I mean, just because because do they park over there anyways? Arrowhead, you know, they pack in over seventy thousand people. So, and sometimes you have people now. Obviously, people don't want to probably pay for a ticket. I'm mean, not a ticket, but parking pass. Yeah. Uh, but if you open up that more, then it'll obviously allow more people to instead of using like the outside parking or having to park on like random in random neighborhoods. Yeah, parking to walk completely Denny's. across, like exactly, <laughs> or parking get yeah, Denny's or you know whatever gas station is around. Yeah. Um. So I, I don't know. I, I definitely think that you know people in Chiefs Kingdom need to relax on it. They're they're not doing anything anytime soon. Like I said, they have nine more years left in this lease where they're at right now. So, you know, we get, you know, we just got to wait till then. Hopefully, the, hopefully we can win at least three more Super Bowls in that time. <laughs> I don't think you'll ever have to worry. I mean, there was rumors of the Chiefs moving back in the 80s because they were so horrible. Yeah. And, you know, they're still here. So, so, it's Kansas City again. At the end of the day, I boil it down to it's Lamar Hunt Stadium, his statues outside. That's not, it's not iconic. It's one of the last iconic stadiums in the NFL that's original from back in the AF, AFL, NFL days. I don't see it ever, ever going anywhere. So, mm-hmm. um, no, I, yeah, I completely agree. Um, I know earlier we kind of, we were talking a little bit of draft and mock stuff and brought up Baker Mayfield, but, uh, Jeff Schwartz brought up the whole Baker Mayfield interview that's been going around that went around today on ESPN. Was that on e- that was on ESPN, right? Um, no, so it's a podcast. Our po- our, uh, yeah, whose podcast was it? Oh, I could tell you if you wouldn't have asked me. Um, it's the you. I think it's called You Never Know podcast. Um, okay. The guy that hosted, I guess, was a high caliber college baseball player or something uh, like that. But he actually lives next door to Baker um, and their neighborhood down in Texas. And it, it was a great interview. I mean, if, if no one's ever seen it and they don't like Baker Mayfield, if you listen to that podcast, you're going to come out of it a Baker Mayfield fan. He's awesome. Right, um, right. Hearing him talk, I mean, they ask him from 
the day he graduated high school till present day, you know, his life. And well, I was honestly, I was gonna... as a kid, like, man, he, he lived a pretty great life. Right. Right. I, I'm, I'm a hundred percent sure. Uh, I was going to uh, read the, whatever, I guess this is one of the quotes that it was in the, um, uh, in, in the uh, podcast that he was in or not even really a quote, but I guess what was said, that or what he had said and I guess said QB Baker Mayfield says that the Browns deceived him about their offseason plans which resulted in them trading for Deshaun Watson I feel disrespected 100% because I was told one thing they completely did another which which was exactly true I mean they 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 did Uh, that was well that was well documented even by the Cleveland organization and their general manager Oh yeah, they I even mean, they up to the day before. too. They they made they wanted like the news the news to be out there that hey we're interested in a different quarterback. We don't want you no more. And yeah. then all of a sudden, oh well, I'm, we don't we're kidding. We want you back. Oh no, we were lying. We actually don't want you anymore. Yeah, all the way up to the day before the Watson trade, the Browns said our guy's Baker. But they only said that because Watson said the day prior to that, hey, I'm not going to Cleveland. Screw them. Mm-hmm. So I think in my head, the reason the Browns don't want to trade Baker isn't because they just they don't want anyone else to have him. It's because I think Deshaun Watson gets a suspension, um, whether it's a full year, half year, four game. I think that's what is going to happen. I think the Browns are saying, OK, well. Let's keep Baker. That way we can at least go, you know, if it's four games, we'll probably win three out of the four. And then Watson can come in and we can win, you know, 10 games after that. Right. Right. I think that's probably their mindset, which isn't bad. It is a business. But at the same time, you are kind of screwing the guy over that's made you guys relevant the past four years. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, they're major, majorly screwing him over. Um, and, and it's it, it's it's kind of the manipulative way of how the NFL works and how contracts work, because I mean, he can say, I want out all he wants, but in at the end of the day, they have the rights to his contract. It's up to them whether or not they want to trade him. Now, you know, with that being said, he doesn't have to show up to practice or OTAs or anything like that. But the only negative against that is he takes the fines. Right. Um, so it's kind of a, you know, a, not of a not even really a win situation for him, but it makes how the NFL and how these teams have all the leverage over players. Yeah, and he touches quite a bit. Like I said, it's an hour and a half uh, podcast, but it's a must watch interview. I mean, it's crazy all the stuff he talks about and you know inside stuff. But he said everyone in the NFL is a snake. Um, he said that's it's just a business full of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said if he didn't get with. Uh, one of his friends who had previously been in the NFL that if he would have carried how like if he would have carried the ignorance and being as naive as he was going to Oklahoma in the NFL, his career probably would have been over before it started. Right. That those, the people there are just, they're just not basically just said, you know, they're not good people that, that run the NFL. Yeah, no, I, I mean, it, it is what it is. I mean, that's kind of, it's kind of always been like that. I just think, you know, back then there was no social media. So it wasn't, it wasn't well said. And players didn't really have much of a voice then. 
uh, as they do now. Social media kind of gives them that power platform. Um, and speaking of social media, want to touch up on um, Tyron Matthew just because there's you know been a little bit of news that it came out with him last week. And I had said this in my my other podcast that I don't want to sound like a Tyron Matthew apologist, but I just I just don't like the it's like you know the this you know we got to completely discredit the man, even though yeah he did have a you know down year to his standards and we've touched up on that and no I don't want to get too much into the statistics at all but. Uh, you know, I, I just, with, with the three years of him being here, I enjoyed all three years of watching him, you know, play, you know, minus some, sometimes this year, but, you know, those first two years were believe, uh, you know, unbelievable. And, you know, I appreciate the leadership that he brought and the toughness that he brought to that defense. And, um, you know, I, I think it was probably the best free agent signing that the Chiefs have probably have ever made just because of, you know, the value that you got out of him and the production that you got out of him for that contract and obviously winning a championship out of it. Um, and the touch up on his, you know, his interview that he had recently, you know, he said that if they would have offered him Justin Reed's deal, he would have taken it. Now, obviously, that's all hindsight. We don't know what his mentality really was. You know, if he actually was coming out and claiming that he wanted to be the highest paid safety. I don't ever recall him saying that. The only thing I do remember him saying that he he wants he wants to stay in Kansas City and that he hoped that he hopes that they can work out a deal. Now, he may have tweeted it at some point that I, I just don't remember. Um, but I mean, again, I don't, I'm not going to speak for the man. I'm not going to put words in the man's mouth, um, at all, but I, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe he would have taken the deal. Maybe, maybe he's just saying that because, you know, it, it is what it is now. Um, but with players getting to a certain age, you know, at some point, at some point they have to, you know, accept what is giving to him. And the chiefs never offered him a contract in the first place. So it didn't really matter at, at, at all if they were going to, if he would have accepted it or not, they just didn't offer him anything. Right. Yeah. And then he's got a couple zoom calls with Philly. Uh, he met with Pittsburgh, Mike Tomlin and all those guys when he was down at LSU talking to them. So he he could be a guy that you see get signed after after the draft if someone doesn't get the guy they wanted, you know. Okay, let's go out and pay a multiple time All Pro safety to fill a void. Mm-hmm. And and some and some team will. And I I truthfully believe he's been offered deals. I just think that he's probably not liked any of them because they've probably been all one year deals. And unfortunately. That's with how thought. with how the business is with aging players and especially the position that he plays, and they probably are looking at the 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 low production year to his standards and maybe seeing that that could be an issue moving forward or you know paying a guy like that. 
you also have to look at it this way. He's sitting there. He's younger than guys like Von Miller and Bobby Wagner, and they're getting massive long-term deals. At the same time, Bobby Wagner, take him, you know, take him out of the mix for a second. Von Miller kind of had a uh, like what an eight-game prove-it type deal with the Rams, and he proved it, and he got paid. So maybe Tyron Matthew should take a one-year prove-it deal, you know, prove it on his end, and get paid next year. I um I saw a uh, I was listening to another podcast earlier and they kind of touched up on this subject and he had and he had asked would you consider Tyron Matthew a journeyman because he's about to be on his fourth team in the NFL Yeah yeah I mean unfortunately I mean yeah, unfortunately, but there's a lot of defensive backs like Deion Sanders was a journeyman I mean he played all over the place so it's not it's not a knock it's just Right, I, it's a it's, funny thing. Yeah, and unfortunately, unfortunately, with his circumstances, it it's made him have to be on four teams. I mean, with with Arizona, they didn't want to pay him another contract because they weren't sure if he was going to stay healthy or not. Houston, Houston didn't want to pay him because he was too expensive. He had a fucking great year, even though it wasn't essentially an All Pro year in Houston. He had a good year in Houston. They're like, well, damn, we can't pay you because you're too fucking good. Yeah. He com- he comes to Kansas City. He gets an actual fucking deal with us. But by the time that deal is done, he's coming off of a low production year, and he's old at this point. So it's, it's, it's his contracts have kind of not played in his favor, at least from timing and circumstances. Right. And, and again, you know, hindsight, I'm sure at this point he would love to have a three year, you know, 30 whatever million dollar deal offered to him, especially by Kansas City. But at the same time, you know, hey, man, maybe we just want to go in a di- different direction. It's nothing against you. You know, we appreciate your time, but this is just we're going to change some stuff up. We've watched the past three years. This is where we want to go from this point on. I think that's honestly the I think that's the biggest takeaway that you know some people are kind of forgetting. I think I think Brett Veach just wanted to move on. You know, sometimes you have to you know you have to close a book or close a chapter and open up a new one and that's that's kind of what it is. He he realized that hey, we have to get younger on especially on that side of the ball. Um, we, we have too many contracts on the team right now. And, you know, the last thing we want to do is get locked into another one with a player that we're not a hundred percent sure is how, you know, how they're going to be. Now he did say in that interview that he, you know, he, he didn't really try a lot and sometimes this year and he kind of, you know, did it because, you know, there was, he felt like, he lost touch with the, you know, obviously the, the fans, you know, with that tension that we had in the beginning of the year. And then also he knew it was, he knew it was his last year in Kansas city. And I I think, I think some people kind of forget that, you know, these guys are human beings and we have bad days at work. And, you know, when we know sometimes something's coming to an end it can make us, you know, lose motivation on things. I mean, we talked about that today and, you know, about us and, you know, during the end of our, uh, our, our time playing football, you know, we, we lost, I lost motivation playing the game because we sucked and I didn't want to try anymore. 
So I, I can understand essentially where that mentality comes from. And that's just the human being mentality more than anything. I think it's easy for us fans to kind of see it from a different side because we don't have millions of dollars in our pockets. So we think that they, they have to have a hundred percent focus every single day, but not everybody's like that. Yeah. They like to go. I mean, they're, like you said, they're normal people. They, they have bad days at work. They like to go out and have fun and, you know, they just happen to be on TV and play a game because they're more athletic than we are. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but they're still just normal people, but right. Uh, I think, I think one thing that probably hurts him a little bit and thinking about it would hurt me a little as well. Before this season started, there were rumblings that they've already entered contract negotiations for an extension. And then fast forward literally a year and there was never an extension and apparently never an actual offer given. Mm-hmm. Though he probably feels, you know, when he says heartbroken, it's probably like, man, you know, I was, I kept being told like we're going to start negotiations. There were all these rumors that they were going to start and all this kind of stuff. And they just never did. And, and to be honest with you, I don't know if you were, I was shocked. I mean, coming off two all pro years and two Super Bowl appearances, I thought maybe you would have given him at least another two years, but with that being said, I I also understand the dynamic and how everything turned out to be. Um, also, what I was going to touch up to is on the, the podcast I was listening to earlier, they also mentioned that, and I don't know how real this is or where they got this, this info or this source, but they said it came from an, uh, in a, a chief source from inside the team, and I guess... Tyron Matthew and Charvarius Ward both sat on the bench and watched um, the Bengals have their celebration when they won the AFC title game. And Tyron Matthew uh, looked right over at Charvarius and said, man, did we just play our last game at Arrowhead? And uh, Charvarius looked right back at him and said, I think we just did five, but who knows? Now I now I again I don't know how real that conversation was, but like damn that like that sucks because I mean knock Charverius Ward all you want, but I mean he was he was kind of our most consistent corner essentially, you know, minus you know Jamar Chase um playing against him and you know Tyron Matthew was Tyron Matthew, you know. So again, like I said, it's kind of you know closing a, a chapter and ready to opening a new one. Yeah, you know, like it's a business again. You know, we keep saying, but it's a business. At the end of the day, there's going to come a day we have to move off Patrick Mahomes, whether that's a retirement, whether that's, you know, hey, dude, like you suck or we're not going to sign you or whatever. (laughs) I hope hope it's retirement. At some, but again, some at some point you have to move off Tyreek Hill, you have to move off Travis Kelsey. Patrick Mahomes like those days do come and fans don't like it but it is a business if you can get a guy that's cheaper um that's younger that can probably do the same thing or you hope can do the same thing they're gonna go with it every time right you know there it's not it's not the NBA there it's not even the MLB like there there's a very strict cap limit and if you can't get it then you know there's a door right I uh, and again, I I argued with this guy on Facebook. You know, I put my one of my mocks and it was the one where I traded Chris Jones and he got super defensive saying, oh, they would never do that. And I'm like, 
again, I, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but have you seen our GM lately? Mm-hmm. Do you know who that man is? That He's man is that rope. man is not afraid to move on from somebody that you would not think that we would ever move on from. <laughs> I can promise you I did not think we're moving on from Tyreek Hill for another four years. Hey, honestly, I I I didn't know we were gonna cut the tackles last year. Yeah, I, I really it. didn't. Like to be honest with you, I thought they were gonna let Fisher heal up. And yeah. I thought, you know, hey, have we figured Swartz back issue yet? And they were just going to give him an, all, an whole offseason to get right, and he would be fine the next season. But nope. What was it? W- what, like two weeks into the offseason before, like, free agency really starts, and they cut Eric Fisher, and then five minutes later, they you see they cut Mitchell Swartz. I actually, I think it was within just a couple of days of the official offseason starting. But, yeah, it was boom, boom. Like, they were both gone. I saw Eric Fisher, and I was like, okay, we're just going to get a new left tackle, maybe a guard or something in the draft. I did not expect Schwartz. That he's was really the kick. A multiple all first-team all-pro right tackle who's – I mean, yeah, he's got back issues, but I, I thought he was just going to have surgery and be back. So, yeah, you never know. Um, it worked out for the best, um, at least for the Chiefs' side of the ball. Uh but, you know, even going back to the Tyron Matthew thing, it, it's just a business. It's just how it is. Eventually, everyone's going to get moved off of, whether it's trade, getting cut, retirement. I mean, it is what it is. The nasty business of the league. And it seems to be more of a thing at guys when they're in their mid-20s now, too. I mean, this has been a crazy offseason. So, franchise guys are leaving their franchises. Right. Um and before we end the podcast, I, uh, I, I'm sure you've seen the crazy stat on Kelsey. Um, he has the most receiving yards since 2016. Um, and uh, he's listed at number one with 7,269. And right under him is Devontae Adams at 7,192. Then you got Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, and Mike Evans. Now, that's a tight end. I don't give a shit what anybody says. I I know that people want to say the blocking dealio, but okay, let's be real. Why do you need Kelsey to block at the end of the day? I mean, he's good at it. I mean, we I know why ball. people people say he's shitty at it. I don't know why they, because he's really good at it. But why do you need him to be an all time blocker? Yeah, we have Blake, we have Blake Bell seventy percent of the time. We have Blake Bell for that reason. There's no reason to line uh, put a guy that you know is a big receiving threat in and make him just be a blocker 79% of the time. When you know damn well we have a coach that is pass first. So it, it, it doesn't matter. I, I just I hate when people just throw that narrative out there that like, oh well, if he was a better blocker, he actually would be a more a dominant tight end. If you like, you said if you look at every blo- highlight reel, you you see him blowing somebody up. Yeah, if you go back, um, even this past season, go to the game in Vegas, watch Pat roll out, and Kelsey is just dominating Max Crosby completely wide open on the line of scrimmage. There's no one around him. Lock and release. Yep, I remember and the it, play. Yeah, and he just absolutely. He, Kelsey wasn't getting pushed back. He was just. Yeah, and he just said, okay, bye-bye, and he let go of him, and then Patrick just dumped it right to him. Yeah, and he ripped a a first down off. So, 
I don't know. I, you see those stats, but then you go back and, you know, PFF, like I said the other day, released their top five tight ends and has Kelsey at four. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what are my, again, it's what do your eyes tell you? My eyes tell me Kelsey is the best probably to ever play tight end. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Um, is there anything else that you want to touch up before we get out of here? No, man, like I said, draft's 15 days away. So, uh, you know, until then, it's probably going to be pretty quiet in the off season. Yeah, I, I, we may see. Maybe we may see another signing. Maybe we might see a trade right right before the draft, like the day before the draft. We never know. Brett Veach traded. Uh, it was literally like the day before the draft, I believe. He traded for Orlando Brown. So you know, we we never know what can happen. Um, yeah, I think Frank Clark was two days before the draft yeah Frank Clark was two days before the draft so you know he has a way of you know doing his things but he could roll in the draft with all these picks we just never know right um all right Chiefs Kingdom that's gonna go ahead and do it for this episode of the Arrowhead Boys podcast 